Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour, and we do love happy hour and the clinking of glasses and cheers to all you fabulous women who are fully living your lives at every age and every stage. And here's the best news, every hour is happy hour. So whether you clink cheers with your coffee mug or your afternoon cappuccino, remember as the song says, it's five o'clock somewhere. Join us for some grown-up fun, interesting and stimulating conversations that will motivate, inspire, or just make you laugh. And for more grown-up fun, visit our website, The Three Tomatoes, and the three is spelled out, and sign up for our newsletters. Now sit back and relax and enjoy the episode. In the past year, we've interviewed more than 46 terrific guests who offered some great advice, made us think, and often made us laugh too. We have highlights today from three of our most listened to happy hour podcasts. Positive aging expert Barbara Hannah Grufferman shared tips from her book, Love Your Age, The Small Step Solution to a Better, Longer, Happier Life. Psychotherapist Dr. Robbie Ludwig, a frequent TV commentator and author of Your Best Ages Now, talked to our LA editor Debbie Ziff about midlife myths. And America's most organized man, Andrew Mellon, shared his tips on how to get organized, stay organized, and get your life back. Listen in to this best of episode. And if you want to hear the full episodes, you'll find them in our podcast library. Enjoy the podcast. In our inaugural episode, Barbara Hannah Grufferman shared tips from her book, Love Your Age, The Small Step Solution to a Better, Longer, Happier Life. I want to I be able to talk about some of the topics in your book because it, it is really such a great book. First of all, it's beautifully put together and illustrated. It makes it very simple to go through every single chapter. You cover so many topics and it's not overwhelming. So many fitness and health books and just are because you get into it and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to do all of this. But you really do in each chapter help us to figure out some small thing we can do. So maybe just give an overview of some of the topics that you do cover in the book. I think that would help our listeners. Oh, thank you. And, you know, I really did try to, uh, you know, research and talk with the experts and, um, you know, see the latest studies and really study them. So I understood them enough to convey them uh, properly in the book um, and really curate as best I could with all the different chapters covering all of these different topics. So, and thank you, because I really didn't want to overwhelm. I really wanted to kind of cut to the chase as best I could um, and really have people try to do as many of these simple tips as possible, again, based on science. Um, And I cover things I'd never covered in my first book um, that I, I just find are increasingly important, such as brain health, and uh, sleep. I do even call that particular chapter, you know, about sleep, the third pillar of, of good health. Mm-hmm. You know, one being nutrition, the other one being, uh, um, you know, exercise, what I really like to call moving your body. I feel like exercise people go like, Ugh, you know, I hate that word. So moving your body to me is so much more palatable. <laughs> yes. So that's the term I like to use. But yeah, yes, these are important things. And sleep it, is too. We we now know studies have shown that sleep is 
critical to almost every body part, including our brains, um, and is very, very important uh, to a, a component of successful aging. Right. And so, that's, a, that's an area so, so many people, I, I happen to be very fortunate, I'm a good sleeper, but so many of my friends um, talk about how they have so much trouble, so much trouble sleeping. So it's a big issue. And, it's you know, a big issue. The, and by the yeah. way, that, that can, you know, that little dot can be connected directly back to menopause. Yes. Um, really is a drop in estrogen really causes havoc yeah. on yeah. so many levels. And and that includes the, um, the sleep issues. And not only, I have no issue, Cheryl, falling asleep. I fall asleep right away when I, when I want to, but I do find I still do wake up and I'm right. using some of the tips in my own, uh, in my, from my, th that chapter. It's so funny to me because in the first book, I definitely alluded to sleep as important. I right. mentioned it. <laughs> but this book has a whole chapter devoted to it because I now realize just how important it is. Yeah. Um, I also find that, you know, relationships, not just with your partner, but also, although that's super, super important, but relationships with other women, with your friends, your girlfriends. Oh, your I love sister. this part of your book. Yes. Thank I, you so much. I was going to ask you about that because, I mean, it's actually research now that says people who are more socially connected will live longer. And I know, and I know with you too, we're so lucky that we have great girlfriends that we can surround ourselves with, but it's really important for our health, isn't it? It is re super important for our health. And who knew? Really? I mean, you know, if you were to ask me what some of the like surprising things that came out of your research, this was one of them. I really, I, I knew it was a pleasure, but I didn't realize how crucial having those, that social network is. And the truth is that women just, I don't know, instinctively perhaps, but we are much better at maintaining and sustaining our social network as we get older. And that really is very helpful as we get older because yeah. hmm, there's a lot of change involved as we get older with kids moving away and you want to talk about it with your girlfriend and, and, you know, growing up and then, or aging parent issues with I have, and so many women I know have, um, you know, job changes, spouse changes. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff you just want to talk with your friends about yeah that's and opening up, opening up that bottle of wine and having happy hour with your friends with that's your right girlfriends that's a great thing to do it is that's right that's right and it's not just one-on-one -on -one. you know we're also spread out now social networks are important yes I mean, even though i have my my true friends i have virtual friends uh on many different social media platforms people who i've actually feel like i've come to know and i value that i value them yes and they're very supportive and it's great and i and i love that so i can't believe as time is flying by barbara we 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 said when we were starting this before we even record we said you and i could be on the phone here talking for three hours and no i mean we really so could it's there is we're gonna have to have to do another podcast with you but and this has been such a great conversation but i know that so many people who are going to be listening to this have really are resolving this year to get onto a healthier path. And we also know that for many of us, those resolutions can be gone.
on in the New York Minute. In fact, I read somewhere that approximately 80% of us will have broken our resolutions by February, and we don't want that to happen now. So I thought a great wrap-up is to give us a little more motivation and maybe three things we could get started on now that we actually could keep going into February and keep some of these good habits going into 2019. Absolutely. And that's a great statistic uh, about how we just, I mean, that's why there were so many diet books every, you know, constantly because we give up on dieting and, and forget about dieting anyway. If That's the number one thing. Don't diet. Just kind of make little changes in how you eat, you know, cut out the processed foods, try to cut down on sugar. Um, and quite frankly, eat less. <laughs> I know people yes. hear that, but you know what? It works. As we get older, we don't need as much food as we think we do. We just don't. So if you can kind of just cut back on the portion sizes, and this is like a very nice thing, you will see an effect. And as it turns out, human nature says that once you see a positive result of something, you kind of want to keep doing it. So that's one of the things. Keep that in mind. So that's one little resolution. Nothing major. Nothing major, just simple things like that. Cut back on your portion sizes. And number two, if working out, exercise, start thinking about in terms of moving your body. And you can do that simply. If you're at home and working on your computer or in an office, get up every 20 minutes, walk around, maybe do a couple of push-ups or a plank, a couple of jumping jacks if you're so inclined, as I like to do to kind of get the blood going. Yeah. Um, take a walk. Start by walking. I mean, if you truly haven't been doing anything, start by walking. It's the number one best exercise anybody can do. And if you can walk after a bit of time. See if you could just add a little bit of running in a couple of seconds, maybe a couple of like half a minute and start to do that. And you'll see little by little by little, this will be an easy thing for you to maintain and sustain. And you won't give it up so easily because it's not a major thing. It's simple. Number three, I would definitely think about sleep, your sleep patterns, going to sleep a little bit earlier, getting up a little bit earlier so that you'll, you know, maybe be a little more tired the next night. Uh, I would really focus on sleep. These are three little changes that you can make. I want to throw one more, more in. It's, it's uh, okay. really simple and it's really fun and it's really easy. It was quite surprising when I read the research behind it. You ever hear about the polar bears in Coney Island on January 1st? They all go there and they go into the icy cold. Oh world. gosh, They do yes. this all over the world. It came from yes. Russia, you know, the old country. Well, there's a reason people do it. It's not just to kind of be crazy, but it's a real health benefit to icing up your body in that way. But nobody really wants to take a cold shower, so I wouldn't ask anyone to. However, there's something you could do that's simple, and you get 75% of the benefits of putting your whole body into an icy cold shower. Fill up your uh, uh, like a bowl or your sink with ice cold water. Even put in some ice if you can, and dunk your face in. Hold your breath take it up, do it again, take it up, do it a couple of times and your whole body will get icy cold and you'll get the benefits. Your immune system improves, your blood pressure improves and you get that nice little pretty healthy glow. Wow. I love that because there is no way in hell I'm jumping in the, in the water here. in January. That is a great, great tip. These are all great tips, Barbara. And really, everyone can get a whole lot more of these tips in your fabulous book, Love Your Age, The Small Step Solution. 
to a better, longer, happier life. Thank you, Barbara. And here's to loving our age. Thank you so much. You're a great guest. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. And happy new year. Yes, cheers. Culturally, we have a lot of negative ideas about midlife and aging. We, we live in an ageist society and it starts at midlife. And there are very dangerous myths that get passed down to us. You're listening to psychotherapist, Dr. Robbie Ludwig, author of Your Best Ages Now. She and our LA editor, Debbie Zip, have an eye-opening conversation about busting through the myths and misconceptions of middle age and beyond. Listen in, it's a great conversation. We are lucky to have Dr. Robbie Ludwig with us today to discuss loving yourself at every age. Yes, ladies, I know it may seem impossible, but it is it is possible. Welcome, Robbie. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's nice to join you. Oh, well, we are certainly glad to have you to give us a positive spin on aging today. Uh, it is clear from your book that you passionately believe your best ages now. Uh, in it, you talk about rejecting the status quo and embracing an ageless mindset. Uh, what is the status quo as you see it? And, and why should we think that the age we are at now is our best age? Well, I think many women and even men out there will uh, agree with this idea that culturally we have a lot of negative ideas about midlife and aging. We, we live in an ageist society and it starts at midlife and there are very dangerous myths that get passed down to us. For example, once you hit midlife, you're not going to be relevant anymore. You're mm -hmm. not going to be noticed. You'll be overlooked over the hill. You'll lose your opportunities and your looks. So basically, it's, it's telling people to internalize an expiration date that shouldn't exist, that's not valid. And I really wanted to write a book that could pierce some of the misconceptions that I really feel are not serving our culture well and don't serve us well individually. And it's not in sync with the research that's out there currently. And why should our best age be now? Because we should always be embracing every moment that we have and creating future opportunities. Oh, I love that attitude. <laughs> um, I, and, and obviously you've probably been thinking about this for a long time. And so I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what was the main inspiration that that made you jumpstart everything and and write this book? Well, part of it was personal. So I was um, coming up on a life-changing birthday. I was oh. 50. <laughs> yes. Oh. And, and I'm in the media business. So I was interviewing for a job and there was kind of lackluster on the other end. Fortunately, it was a, a phone interview. And I got off that interview thinking, oh my goodness, you know, is it age that's working against me? And I really didn't want to feel that way because inside I still feel very youthful and, and relevant. And I, yeah. started to, I started to look around 
women in New York City that were in the midlife space and just looking amazing, in some cases better than they ever had before. And, and in working with patients, I was seeing this, this notion that you should give up your dreams, um, that you shouldn't strive for growing, that there aren't any opportunities out there, that it was just not true, that I saw patients coming into the best time of their life. They were finding love if they had never found it before. They were becoming more self-confident and more beautiful. So I really wanted to have a book that could put all this information in one place because a lot of the books out there in this subject matter is a little bit negativistic. Some of it's funny, but mm -hmm. all of it, it basically laughs at all the things that are going wrong. And I just really felt that that was not an accurate depiction and that it was dangerous to have that idea out there without questioning it. And my attitude and my girlfriends and, and women I see around me is drastically different than that of my mother's and her contemporaries. And I think that's true for so many of us. And so why do you think that is? Well, I think in part, we know how to take care of ourselves better. So, you know, we have all of these lotions and potions and there's plastic <laughs> surgery out there. There, We know so much more about health and exercising and taking care of ourselves. So I think that that is a large component that we are taking care of ourselves better. We're living longer. So I think it's taking all of us longer to grow up socially yeah. <laughs> and emotionally. And I do think that technology also is a game changer because women at one point could only have children in their 20s and 30s. And they went along the developmental timeline basically around the same age, right? So they were having kids about the same age, sending their kids off to college at the same age, going through empty nest. That, that is no longer the case. Really what we see now is women can make different choices technologically, right? They can have kids in their late 40s. They can yeah. even have kids in their 50s. So that really is a game changer in terms of giving us all a lot of options in terms of how we want to structure our lives. Absolutely. I, I totally I love that. And, and you know, I... I think it's also that uh, it's it, they bought into um, what was you know social norms at the time. You know, you're supposed to fade into the background and all of that, and you know. But I, we don't boomers especially don't have that attitude. And um, just to add, I, I I have to mention this brain scientist that you talk about in in your book, scientist Suzanne. Braun Levine, who says, this was an oh my God moment for me, that brain researchers now believe that by age 50, there is new growth in the brain. I mean, who would have thunk it? I right, just, right. It, I, I, I see in my practice, you know, women who, who start to kind of say in a joking way, oh, I'm losing my mind or I'm getting forgetful. And we have to be very careful what we say to ourselves. But actually, the research shows that we continue to create new brain cells. It's called neuroplasticity. And so we can continue to learn and grow. And not only that, 
that things kind of synthesize and we become more wise. So we have all of our historical knowledge that we know and that we've learned over the years and that we can continue to learn and grow and change. In fact, there are lots of changes going on that we didn't understand previously that our personalities continue to grow and change all the way into our 60s for the better. So we become more conscientious and more agreeable. And then there are changes that go on to the amygdala, which impact our emotions. And we tend to see things as more positive as the glass half full, which is very helpful in terms of our relationships. So there are a lot of different changes going on that really are very positive and very helpful to us. now, there was something that kind of really, at first, made me go, oh, get, oh, no, I don't want to be like that. But we actually, at this age, you say, mature women have a lot in common with teenagers. <laughs> I think. Yes, and, and just to weave it all together in terms of lifestyle choices that we can influence our genes. So if we are making healthy choices for our bodies, that influences how our genes get expressed, including our youthful attitude has a positive impact on our physical well-being as well. But in terms of teens and midlife, there's a lot of similarities. Our bodies are changing, hormonal changes, teens are separating from their parents to discover who they are and what's important to them. We as midlifers are doing the same. It's a stop and pause moment where we're really asking ourselves, is this what I want from life? Am I living life according to what matters to me? And so you'll see a lot of people switching gears around this time because if the answer is no, they want to live a life that feels rewarding and fulfilling. Uh, So in terms of adopting some of the positive components that teens include in their lives that can almost reboot the midlifer, you know, it's really important to say yes to life. You know, if we close ourselves off, we're going to miss out on those incredible opportunities that can come our way to have a group of friends that you feel in sync with, right? We Mm -hmm. see teens doing that all the time. Uh, to to ask what's important to you, to continually be creative and to reinvent oneself. And I always recommend, you know, you kind of hear this a lot. What would your older self tell your younger self? Well, I think it's really important to ask the the opposite question. What would your younger self advise your older self? Because sometimes when we're young, we're really in touch with a passion and dream that got lost along the way. So sometimes we have to reincorporate that into our lives. Welcome to the Three Tomatoes Happy Hour podcast. I'm Cheryl Benton. And if you sometimes feel like you're drowning in stuff, you're going to love our guest today. He has been dubbed the most organized man in the world. Andrew Mellon is an organizational expert, public speaker, and the number one best-selling author of Unstuff Your Life. He's helped over 100,000 people and businesses worldwide to declutter and simplify their lives while regaining time for the things that actually matter. Let's go back to start with how do we start the process of decluttering? Because it can really, really be overwhelming. I know 
I after hearing you Saturday, I came home and looked around my house because sometimes you don't even notice it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to get rid of stuff. So how do we do that? How do we start? I'm going to say there's always two places to begin. If you're feeling really fierce and strong, I say go to the place that causes you the most pain and grief and dig in there because you're going to get the biggest win there. If you are feeling tender and a little vulnerable, I say go for a quick win. And so just move something off of a surface. You don't have to go to the sad, scary corner of the basement. You can just go to your kitchen counter and find one thing that you are finished with that you can let go of. Failure breeds failure, success breeds success. So we just need any momentum going in the direction we want to be going in. And you'll build on that. So to to recap, go to the place where the most upset is if you are feeling strong and ready to take something on. Another major tip is that instead of saying to yourself, I'm going to work on this until I'm finished, which is completely arbitrary and a narrative goal, which doesn't serve us. I encourage everybody when you start to declutter to actually create mass goals for yourself, meaning I will work on this for 30 minutes and you will set a timer for 30 minutes. Because when the timer goes off, if you're still working, you've done what you said you did. And as I said, failure breeds failure, success breeds success. If the timer goes off, ding, 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 and you've successfully worked for 30 minutes because that's what you allotted, you now feel like, oh, I can do this. Look, I didn't think I was going to make it five minutes. I made it 30 minutes. I'm going to set the timer for another 15 minutes and do another 15 minutes. Instead of saying, I'm going to work on this until I'm finished, when we don't know what finished really means, that often sets us up for failure because we try to do something. We don't succeed because we didn't have a clear defined goal. We just had this arbitrary narrative goal of finished. We didn't finish. And that perpetuates those stories that we tell ourselves that says, oh, see, somehow there's something fundamentally wrong with me. I'm not capable of getting organized or this is too much for me or I can't figure it out, which is all a load of crap. Of course you can. Anybody who's listening to this podcast is accomplished enough that they can get organized. This is not rocket science. It's it's managing your feelings enough to be able to do the task. That's it. You know, that's going to, you just made everyone feel so much better out there who's ever tried to do things because, and, and doing things in the small blocks, because as we know, there's this, you know, this other method of organizing, we won't mention what it is, but it has to do with (laughs) taking everything out and looking at it. And that to me is such an overwhelming process. And I think it is for so many people. It's like, you just don't even know where you would begin to do that sometimes. Sure. And I know this works as I what you just said, because I actually um, tried this about a month ago. I have I get a lot of products because of the three tomatoes. I get beauty sure. products and this and that. And I have this big cabinet in my bathroom that <laughs> they've all ended up being jammed in there. I mean, I actually people come to my house and they sort of shop from that. Cabinet. Of course. But it got to the point where I I couldn't find anything. And it was 
every time I went into my bathroom, it was it was overwhelming me. And the thought of doing that all at one time was overwhelming. So one day I just said, you know what, I'm going to start with one shelf. And I got a garbage bag and I got some boxes and the things I was going to keep, I put in the box. And every day I did one shelf. And by the end of the week, I had everything back organized. And I feel so much better when I go in that bathroom now. And it and it wasn't overwhelming to your point. I probably spent thirty minutes a day doing it. So exactly, yeah, awesome advice. Awesome. Thank advice. you. So, tell us what some of the benefits are of being free from clutter. I mean, aside from having the stuff there. Right. Well, I think freedom is one of the essential takeaways, and I want to be really clear with the listeners that. The goal is not just organization. That is, uh, that is not the cash and prizes. Setting yourself free from these one-sided relationships with objects that are sucking your time, your energy, your concentration, and pulling your focus away from the things that actually matter. Nobody gets to the end of this experience and thinks, God, I just wish I had 15 more minutes to rearrange the inside of my cupboard or my closet. That is not going to be your deathbed wish. You're going to say, I wish I had 15 more minutes to play with my grandkids, or I wish I had 15 more minutes to have an ice cream cone, or 15 more, more minutes to volunteer at the synagogue or the, or the church, or 15 minutes more to take a trip with somebody I love, or 15 more minutes to listen to a symphony or anything. But it's not going to be, I wish I had 15 more minutes with my shoes to put them in proper order. <laughs> right. So let's be clear that the whole point of getting organized is to be done with these material objects and to start to live a life of meaning in alignment with your values. And of course, I'm not saying that people are not currently living lives of meaning, but all of those deferred dreams, all of those someday and later plans that you have, those suddenly become immediately available to you. Once you get and stay organized, your entire life opens up in a way that you cannot even imagine. Whatever I'm saying and you're hearing right now, it, it pales in comparison to the reality of you finally have the opportunity to do anything you want with this time because you're not spending it looking for your car keys or your mobile phone or your wallet or your bag or that flathead screwdriver. It doesn't matter. You're no longer looking for things. The average person will waste one year of their life looking for lost and misplaced items. Wow. So I want to help people to to circumvent that statistic as quickly as possible because – we don't know when we're going to leave and it would be a shame for you to get to the end of the experience and think this is not how I wanted it to end. I want more time, right? So, I mean, I can't, I can't give you more time in the macro sense because I'm not God. So I can't do that for you. But what I can certainly do is help you in the moment to make every moment as meaningful and available to you as possible by encouraging you to be mindful, to be aware, to be present in the moment, and to know where your stuff is, because it's all there to support you in living your life, not to become the meat of your life. So... Well, I, I love that, and that's, you know, getting more time in our lives it should be a huge incentive for helping us all to, yeah, we would hope so. So 
let's say we've gotten rid of the step, but how do we keep it that way? I mean, I've organized many things many times, and then they always end up that way a few months later. So how do we stay Right. Organized? So let's go over the organizational triangle, which I, I shared with everybody on yes, Saturday. So great. one home for everything, like with like, and something in, something out. And you can go to my YouTube channel and you can, you, I mean, they're short videos. They're 30 second long videos, but I will explain to everybody the organizational triangle is literally those three rules. And that's all you need to know to get and stay organized. The first two legs of the triangle, one home for everything and like with like, are the tools that we use to get organized. One home for everything means everything is one home, only one home. So where your keys live are where your keys live. They don't have to be where my keys live, but your keys have a home. If they're in their home, you'll, you'll always be able to find them in 30 seconds or less. And they'll only ever be one of two places, in your hand unlocking something or in their home. If you apply that rule and like with like, which means all like objects live together, not most of them, but all of them. So you're no longer splitting clumps of similar things apart because that's another way that we can't easily find things. If you have the office supplies in four different locations, you'll be searching in four different locations for a paper clip or the stapler or the staple remover. Instead of if you have them all together, you, can only, you only have to go one place, one home for everything, and all like objects are there. It cures 90% of your disorganization right there. The third leg of the triangle, something in, something out, is how we stay organized because once we have enough of everything and we've identified it and it is in their homes, we no longer need to be accumulating things. So all of the time that we spend mindlessly shopping or bringing things home that we don't need is eliminated and that time is now freed up for other things. So if you've determined – and look, there are no rules that say – you're only allowed to have 12 pairs of shoes or four hats or three sweaters. You can have as much stuff as will easily fit in your spaces. If you live in a 4,000 square foot house and you have an 800 square foot walk-in closet and you have room for 150 pairs of shoes, you may have 150 pairs of shoes. Oh, you I just not... made a lot of women very happy with yeah. that. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that you can only have 12 pairs of shoes. You can, if, if you have room for 150 pairs, have 150 pairs. This is the catch. If 150 pairs of shoes is what you've determined is enough shoes for you to feel happy and satisfied, when you buy the 151st pair, it's because you're ready to retire one of the first 150. And that way, you will never accumulate more than you have room for because you're just swapping things out. There's no need to accumulate. It's You've determined that this is a perfect toaster, this is a perfect blender, this is a perfect sweater, this is a perfect pair of shoes, this is a perfect car, this is a perfect book, this is a perfect vase. You don't need a new vase unless you're ready to let go of the old vase. It makes it very simple. And again, going back to living in alignment with our values, in the big scheme of things, if you only had 15 minutes left, do you want to spend it shopping for a vase or do you want to spend it in an intimate relationship with somebody that you love or an experience that you love? It's that simple. We will tell ourselves one of our 200 lies, I will make up this time later. It's not that important, right? I, these five minutes or those 10 minutes, I'm going to make up that time at another time, not now. And it's, it's a tragedy because I, that's what I call nickel and diming ourselves out of a year of our life because those five minutes and those 10 minutes add up. We tell ourselves that they're negligible, but it is one of the 200 lies. 
those five minutes do add up and they are significant. So do not minimize the, you know, don't be that, that saying has been around for right. a long time, right? Yes. Penny wise pound foolish. Don't be don't be foolish about the five minutes and think, oh, I've got my eye, you know, like I would never waste a year of my life, but you're frittering away five minutes here and 10 minutes there because that's how you get to a year of your life. Yes. 